Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Counting down movies, music, TV, and pop culture. One top five at a time. And now, here are the two peas. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. I'm so thrilled that you joined us again this week. I'm so happy to have another episode up on deck for you guys. And what is even more exciting than that is the guest that is coming along for the ride this week. This is a dude that I go way, way back with, probably four or five years in the game for podcasting. And he's just such a cool guy. And I love talking to him on social media. And when we get together on the mic, it's always a blast. We kind of gained a kinship because of our mutual friend, Justin Winters. And we were doing his movie drafts years and years ago. And we kind of partnered up with that, and our love of movies obviously connect us as well. But Jay Ledbetter is back on two P's. Jay, what's up, man? Welcome back to the show. Gosh, I miss those movie drafts, man. I gotta I know. say, man, I that's, know that's a real throwback. You really, uh, you really brought me back with that one. I still got my uh, "So I Married a Movie Geek" magnet on my little mini fridge in the basement. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you know, uh, I still got one of those as well. Yeah. Shout out, shout out, Justin. But it's great to be back. I'm currently still on my podcast on my little paternity sabbatical. Mm. So. This is it's nice to be back in the game here and we haven't potted in in a while together as well so I'm 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 just so excited to be here this is a fun one. Well tell me man so you you came on we did like LA movies I think that was like a year and a half or 2 years ago maybe yeah. some somewhere in that range it's definitely been over a year ago. And now you're back on the show. So you, you, you had a baby. You and your wife had the baby. Mm-hmm. So how old is the baby now as we're recording, which is about mid-November now? How old is your baby? Baby is three months old as of oh. just a, a couple days ago as we're recording this. And Dude, is that a life changer or what? You know what? Some people might say that having a child is a life changer. You could, you could say that. You could <laughs> that say argument that. argument can be made. And how appropriate for me to be on the 90-minute movie or less <laughs> podcast now that I'm a dad where my appreciation for 90-minute movies has just gone to infinity. I mean, it's yeah. just like it's, it's a miracle you to have when to you it. have a little baby yeah. to, uh, to have a 90-minute movie. You have to do it, man. Well, you know, it's funny. So first of all, I just wanted to kind of point that out and say congratulations officially no, on I air it, here. Man. I mean, you know, I have three children and I know there's nothing like it. So I hope everything's going swimmingly and you're getting some sleep and the wife's getting sleep and, you know, all that stuff. I hope, it, I hope it's working out. But I just wanted to say congratulations to you guys, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. And the wife is like the drill sergeant as far as his schedule. So she is, she's knocking it out of the freaking park and making it as easy on us as possible. And obviously just super rewarding. I cry a lot more. Is that normal? Yeah. You're yeah. it, It messes with you emotionally. You yeah, know, for sure. You cry during commercials and that kind of thing now? Yeah. Yeah. No, I've been there, man. Well, <laughs> look, you probably also cry a lot when you get on the mic with Ryan, your buddy over there at In Session Extra Film. But, you know, I had him on. And, you know, I was on hiatus, too. It wasn't for having a baby. That's just because I had too much other stuff going on. But I took almost mm-hmm. a year off of the show. And when I came back uh, this year, Ryan was one of the first guests that I had back on. And we did our top five movies that were over three hours and I did, I don't know if you listened to that episode, but I did that with Ryan yeah, and I, 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 you know, had to make him talk about Titanic for about 10 minutes, which he loves, of course. Great movie. And it was my number one, I think. It was definitely up there on my list. And so I said, well, yeah, I got to get Jay Lebner back on here. So why don't we do like a little juxtaposition type thing? Because Ryan's your partner. He's talking about all these like epic three plus mm-hmm. hour films. 
I got the new dad in the house here and Jay, and we're going to talk about our favorite films that are 90 minutes or less. What do you think, man, when you were coming up with this list? Now, I know you talked about being a new father and how that kind of plays into your time commitments. Was this, did these come to you right away or did you kind of have to Google and go, wait a second, is that an hour and a half or how easy was this list to compile for you without giving away any titles up front? So shout out to Letterboxd, which has a feature where you can sort by runtime. Oh, wow. I did not know that. And also filter by your star rating. So I just did like Mm. all my four and a half and five star movies sorted by runtime, shortest first. And so I got to be honest, I didn't know that was a thing. And I love Letterboxd. I should have thought of that. Uh, I probably went a lot harder in my research. <laughs> yeah. And it was, uh, you know, I mean, that made it super easy, but it wasn't easy to boil it down to to five and especially not to order them. But I mean, you, you talk about a 90 minute movie. I will occasion. I won't be like I love a long movie. Mm-hmm. A movie that is long and fantastic is super special. Mm-hmm. A movie that is too long, which is definitely a thing, I really, really resent. Me too. Me Even too. a movie I don't like that much. If it's ninety minutes, I'll always be like, well, at least it was only ninety minutes. Right, it's got that right. going for it. Yeah, I don't know if it's old age or what, grumpiness, but I'm kind of like that too with movies that even if I like the movie, I'm like, why is this three hours yeah. or two? You know what I mean? Even if Especially I enjoyed nowadays, it. nowadays where it's like you're doing a remake of, I don't know, Alice in Wonderland, like Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. The original Alice in Wonderland is like 75 minutes or something. Right. And, and his remake um, was like 210. Yeah. It's, it's too like, long. Why? Yeah, the original is a classic. Obviously, the <laughs> they knew what they were doing pacing-wise. What are you doing, Tim Burton? Not every character needs like an origin story. <laughs> oh, man. Jay, I'm a big fan of yours, dude. So we're going to do our top five movies that are 90 minutes or less an hour. By the way, Netflix has a category for this now. Do you know that? Yes, yes. Yeah, and, dude. And God bless them for it. Yeah, dude. Uh, so I guess everybody's kind of on that bandwagon right now but i figured why not i thought this would be a cool accompaniment to what i did with ryan over there a few months ago at the three plus hours so i'll tell you what man now when i was looking at my list because you were talking a little bit about compiling yours on letterboxd i feel like and you know i'm a horror junkie as you know it's probably my favorite genre of film Mm -hmm. but i feel like a lot of horror kind of gets in and out you know it's kind of quippy it's kind of snappy did you did you run into any genres where you were like man these are pretty short because i feel like there's a lot of horror representation under 90 minutes I don't know about genres. I will say time period. I -hmm. think as willing as older movies were to have intermissions and be longer, I think they were also willing to be brief. And I don't know if you want to say take it easy on the audience or be succinct with their messaging in a, in a movie, but I've got some older movies here. I'm hoping I can give some people some recommendations for some flicks. They maybe haven't seen yet, but okay, cool. I, my my genres are kind of all over the place. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll talk about it, but I got a bunch of different types of movies. But yeah, horror like low budget. They're gonna be shorter. Mm-hmm. Ton of honorable mentions. Although I don't have any in my actual top five. Oh wow. Okay. All right. Well, I'm gonna let you get us started, then we can see what we're dealing with here, man. So, what's your number five film that is under ninety minutes, buddy? What do you got? So animated films, you know, I mean, that's Mm -hmm. under 90 minutes. It's just that that's the sweet spot there. As far as animated films go, they take forever to make drawings hard. If you're doing a CGI movie, you know, they, they, it takes 
40,000 hours of work to do one frame or whatever it is, but this is going to be my only animated film in my top five, and mm-hmm. it's not a Disney movie. It's not a computer animated movie. I'm going to the master, Hayao Miyazaki, mm-hmm. and my number five is My Neighbor Totoro, which is just like the perfect representation of childhood. You watch that film, and it brings you back to a different era of your life. It's such a sweet movie. Such an understated movie while also having kind of some magical realism in there and just some fantasy in general. I love the way it looks. I love the way that movie makes me feel. It's just one of the most iconic animated films of the last, whatever, 30 years, 35 years. Um, so my number five is my neighbor Totoro, Miyazaki. It's not even in my like top it's probably top five Miyazaki, but uh, not many of his movies are under 90 minutes. So it's my number five on this under 90 minute movie ranking. This is uh, Studio Ghibli, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This is funny. I've never seen this. I know of it. Uh, but this, we just had, I just had an episode recently where it was like movies that are on our watch list that we haven't seen, you know, like, mm-hmm. blind, like blind spots. And me and my guests decided that we need to go through the whole Studio Ghibli, like, dock it and just watch all yeah, of them because we just haven't seen them and i really really want to and i know they're well revered and everything you just said i've heard echoed before so the animation style does look awesome and i love what i've seen as far as like clips and stills and that kind of stuff but i'm sure it's a heartwarming story i've just i just this is a blind spot for me man this is one that will, you know, if, if you don't cry while you watch this one, especially as a parent, I imagine. Haven't watched it since I was a dad yet, but, man, movies hit different when you're a dad, I got to say. so <laughs> They really uh, do, man. Dude, I was on, I did, we did our 500th episode of In Session Film. We had all four of our hosts on to do our top 10 movies of all time. I cried on a freaking podcast. Wow. What the hell was up with that? Wow, dude, I was talking you... about my favorite movie of all time, and it was, I mean, it was... If you go listen to it, it's a very specific, like I was in a, I was in a certain place when we were recording that <laughs> podcast, but, um, yeah, sure. I cried on a freaking podcast. And this is one of those movies that I, I imagine as a parent, just got to hit you really hard and right. it just kind of transports you. And obviously Totoro, I'm sure you've seen, you know, like the dolls and everything. Right. I mean, it's a, sure. it's a merchandising phenomenon and there's a reason for that. It's just cause this movie makes you feel a certain type of way, man. Well, I dig it, man. I dig it. And like I said, it's a blind spot for me, but I'm looking forward to checking that out in the near future. And I assume I could watch that with my young son too. So check that out with him. So there you go. That's your number five. My number five is in a different direction. And, you know, I was doing this research and the rest of my top five is pretty much nostalgia based movies that, that go pretty way back. I mean, they're, they're all pretty much throwbacks with the exception of this one. I just loved this movie so much. It was one of the movies during the height of COVID that I got to see in the theater when people kind of started going back to the movie houses and stuff. And I laughed for three quarters of this movie. I am an absolute love with and infatuated with the lead actress, Rachel Sanat, but it's uh, Shiva baby. Oh yeah. From from 2020. I mean, this movie is just so funny and endearing. And she is an, I mean, literally just, you just see a star being born before your eyes and she's done a lot of other great stuff since then. Uh, you know, her turn in bodies, bodies, bodies this year was hilarious. Uh, she just is magnetic in my opinion. And this was a movie that was very tender and and funny, like I said, but it was 
really just kind of like almost like a coming of age story, but kind of coming of age too late Mm -hmm. and kind of a lot of things that go along with that. And, you know, it kind of takes place in one location. So you think to yourself, I don't know if they're going to pull this off, but I think the runtime definitely aids to that. It doesn't wear out its welcome, in my opinion. It is, it's just, I have such fond memories of this movie because, you know, during COVID, like I said, and uh, it was just such a fun time. So are you, are you a fan of this one? Yeah, I'm definitely a fan of it. I mean, I remember watching this movie. I believe we reviewed it on our podcast, and I just remember it being so awkward that <laughs> yeah, it, it almost played like a horror movie for me. It was yeah. like, this is the last place in the world I would want to be in <laughs> Rachel Sennott's right. position in this movie. It is, right. but it is truly like hysterical. The the kind of heights of that movie are about as good as any comedy of the last several years. So it's a great pick. And you're right. Sanat is a, an absolute oh. star in the making. I mean, yeah, 100%. Her, yeah. It's, it's a, that's a great flick. I just love her. She's also awesome on Twitter, by the way. I don't know if you follow yes, her on she Twitter, is. but yeah, she's hilarious. Yeah. Um, all right, there you go. Uh, so Shiva baby is my number five and that swings us over to you for your four, man. What do you got? My number four I talked about kind of going back with a, a few throwbacks on this one. It doesn't get much more throwbacky than uh, Charlie Chaplin. How about one of the the, the greatest silent what? film star of all time? Yeah, my favorite Chaplin film is a film called Modern Times. And wow, another one I haven't seen. Yeah, this this is an absolute must see in my opinion. It's kind of this story of just what it's like to be caught in like the machine of a job in America. And it was made, you know, almost a hundred years ago, but it's still mm -hmm. it feels so resonant to me watching it today. And Chaplin is just the master of physical comedy. I mean, he's right up. It's him and Buster Keaton, right? As far as mm -hmm. just the greatest silent actors of all time. And there's so many funny moments, but there's also so much heart to this film. And it's also incredibly thought provoking. It's, it's so wild to go back and watch those Chaplin movies where you're like, Oh, I mean, it's going to feel super stale. It's, it's so right. old. There's like no dated, sound. Right. It's just a bunch of music. There's no way I'm going to be able to figure this out or just click with this thing. And this one just totally clicked for me. I found myself completely wrapped up in this, in this movie. So mm -hmm. for me, I mean, even if you, I understand people who are hesitant to be like, that movie is 100 years old and there is no talking in it. Right. If you're going to give one a shot, and I understand if you watch it and are like, you know, this just isn't for me. It feels like it's a completely different medium, which it kind of is. But if you're going to do one Chaplin, in my opinion, you do modern times, you really get this idea of what Chaplin represents, which is this incredibly sincere and incredible performer and writer and director. I mean, he was doing everything with these movies and this film, especially the design, the performance, the ideas, the heart. This is, this is the best Chaplin film in my opinion. So check out modern times, Gerald, I'm here to shake it up. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm here yeah. to throw in some well, some so surprises. Far yeah, so far you're giving me some homework, man. With your first two picks, uh, you know I'd heard of both of them, but I haven't seen either of them. So 
I don't know, man. I'm kind of one of those people that you were talking about. I'm kind of like, and I don't blame uh, you. You know, I wanted, I want to do it for the historical significance, but I'm like, is it going to entertain me? Am I going to be bored? Like, but I guess I won't know until I try. Is that what you're telling me, Jay? That's gotta, exactly right. If you watch Modern Times and you're like, this just, I just can't do it. Yeah. I, I'll be like, you know what? Thanks for giving it a shot. I totally understand. All right, but well, I, I think that if you do one, in my opinion, that's the one to try out. And the Ghibli stuff, I mean, you haven't seen Totoro, that, that's an easy recommendation. That's that's just an absolute home run. But Modern Times, too. I mean, just come on. Expand yeah. your horizons, people. I need to. I need to, man. I need to. So there you go. Modern Times from 1930. Something, right? <laughs> Something like that. I can't remember the exact year. I don't know. I'll look it up. <laughs> it's old. It's old. Uh, Charlie Chaplin. Okay, so not quite as old, but coming up on like 46 or 47 years old. So uh, 45 years old, I'm sorry. Eraserhead from 1977. Yeah. Mr. David Lynch is my number four. It's always This has remained one of my favorite films of all time from when I... Saw it my first time when I was in a film class in college in the 90s. It was the first time I saw it. And ever since then, I just, the experiment, experimentality of it all and David Lynch's kind of manic, like, vision and, you know, kind of trying to tell this kind of social message of the industrial environment of the time. And, mm-hmm. but it's just got, you know, it's adjacent to horror in there with the creature feature aspects and, you know, this mutant baby and this this kind of, you know, our main character who is dealing with all the, the elements around him, but also dealing with kind of like what you're going through, honestly, not necessarily with the mutants, I hope, but just this, I was about like, to say, this is probably a, a very different experience watching it as a dad. Yeah, right? I mean, really, yeah. But just dealing with this new life and everything that is kind of going on around the new life that you are responsible for and... Uh, you know, it's it's David Lynch too, man, which I've always just, his eye for filmmaking has always just really spoke to me. And this is when I was introduced to him in college, like I mentioned, and I, I just can't let go of this movie, man. Every time I rewatch it, I still love it. It holds up for me personally. I saw it on the big screen a couple years ago at my Alamo Draft House. They screened it for like the anniversary. Oh, that's and, awesome. Uh, that was great to see. And uh, so many people there, like you know, dressed up with the big hair and stuff. It was it was an awesome experience. So it comes in at eighty nine minutes. So I said, "Well, there you go." Ooh, so that's my just number under four. The wire. Yeah. How do you feel about Eraserhead, man? I love Eraserhead. I mean, Lynch is Lynch is definitely one of my guys. We covered Lynch on our uh, in session film extra film. We do a uh, director series a lot. Lynch was one of my guys, and Ryan was a little apprehensive. Like, is Am I going to like Lynch? And I'm like, you got to give Lynch a chance at least. I mean, let's do mm-hmm. Lynch. And he freaking loved Lynch. And look, I got to be honest, Modern Times and Eraserhead, great double feature. They're kind of exploring okay. a lot of similar ideas, like very industrial movies, um, you know, black and white, obviously. But as just like an introduction as a first film, Eraserhead, I mean, come on. That that's yeah. that's insane that he came out of the gate with a racer head and just never looked back as far as just like changing the game, completely doing the unexpected. That's a movie that is so captivating on both an intellectual and emotional level. I mean, you look at it as a dad now, sometimes I look down at my son and I'm like, Man, I don't understand how to relate to this thing right. at this time. It's crazy. Right. 
Exactly, and, and that's kind of what it's and, saying at its core. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great film, great pick. It was definitely an honorable mention for me. And, uh, you know, one thing I love about this, too, and I remember when we studied in college, but, you know, like you said, it was his, his debut feature, and it's gone on to be a cult classic, I would argue. But, I mean, written, directed, he produced it along with Sissy Spacek, who was his wife at the time, and... I mean, edited it. He's responsible for, like, the sound design in this movie. Like, you know, he didn't just, like, he wasn't just the director of this movie. Like, this was, like, his, his project vision from through and through. Ev- almost every technicality that went into making it, uh, which is just fascinating to me, too. And I have such a respect for that as well. So, you know who, you know who freaking loves Eraserhead? Who? Mel Brooks adores Eraserhead. Oh, I don't know that. So much, know so, that. So, <laughs> much that. so that he was like, yeah, I'll produce Elephant Man if David Lynch is doing it. So oh, wow. Mel Brooks directed or produced Elephant Man because he loved Eraserhead so much. An awesome little trivia fact. Wow, I didn't know that. That's cool. All right, man. Well, there we go. So we're up to our number threes. Jay, what do you got at number three, man? All right, number three, going back in the day again here, but I'm bringing up a director that is certainly no stranger to, I'm sure, many of these lists that you have done over the years. How about my main man, Stanley Kubrick, who ironically was included on Ryan's list of the best films longer than three hours. Mm -hmm. Now he's making an appearance on the best films under 90 minutes with his World War I film, Paths of Glory, starring Kirk Douglas, which to me has one of, if not the greatest final scenes in any film ever. I mean, it is just like heartbreaking. The last scene of that film, I won't spoil it, but I actually took a world military history class in college. And I guess my professor was a bit of a movie buff and he would show us like a clip from some war movie and kind of tell us how accurate or inaccurate it was to the style that it was portraying on screen. For example, he showed us 300 and he was like, believe it or not, this is not really how that worked. But (laughs) Paths of Glory, he said, was the most accurate depiction of military conflict in any movie he had ever seen. Not surprising coming from Stanley Kubrick, but... Um, it's a great film, Kirk Douglas. I mean, this is a film where you totally understand how he was, you know, like the biggest star in the world for a certain period of time. It's occasionally like a really funny movie. It's got that Kubrick kind of biting satire to it, but it's also got some really devastating moments as well. It's in my opinion, I would say it is Stanley Kubrick's most underrated movie kind of because it was, you know, it's like a pre-2001 movie, and I think some of those movies get a little lost in the shuffle. Wow. But it is a uh, it's a masterpiece, in my opinion. Pads of Glory, check it out. Dude, you're three for three on my blind spots over here. So Pads I'm afraid of I'm going to go at least four for five, maybe five for five. We'll, we'll see. I can't, see but I, I can't do I, that I had with to be true to myself, though, Gerald. Though. I know, man. You're killing it over there, dude. So I love I love when you my guests give me homework too, though. So that's great. Paths of Glory, another one that I have heard of. I do know of it. I just have never seen it. I Easy know to recommend the Kubrick. My, yeah, of course, man. I know you've seen my number three, though. This is a or this became a pop culture phenomenon that in fact, this would apply to all of my top three, but anytime I'm flipping through channels and this sh- movie's on, even if it's like an edited 
version of it, which usually it would be, or if it's on streaming and I just want to put something on like a comfort movie. This is a five-star comedy for me. It is a mindless, great time that it runs exactly 90 minutes. It's actually the longest movie on my top five, but it's Office Space from 1999. Oh, yeah. Good one. Absolutely. I fucking love this movie so much. I've seen it probably a hundred times. It's so quotable. I've already mentioned the rewatchability is just stout on this one. You know, Gary Cole turning in one of the all-time performances as as a character actor in this as Lumberg. Uh, mm-hmm. He's just synonymous with that role now, and it's just so funny. And of course, Mike Judge here coming in with with this directing effort of a of a feature length film and i mean you know i just i mean it's just so much fun i mean i I just love this movie and it's just hilarious it's kind of subtly hilarious like it's not it's necessarily trying to be really funny yeah exactly yeah but yeah are you a fan of this one oh yeah and office space is great that's one of those in my opinion that you got to throw that in there with the 90s comedy classics i mean the damn it feels good to be a gangster scene is absolute classic i mean the the stapler has become totally iconic. <laughs> Gary Cole's delivery of, uh, you know, yeah, I'm going to need you to come in this weekend. Uh, yeah, this just is so the good, absolute man. gold. Mike, Mike Judge is, is the man. And you call it mindless. I mean, it's kind of about, <laughs> it's actually a pretty heavy movie when you kind of consider, like, as, as a person who is completely ingrained in corporate America, I, I, uh, I definitely understand a lot of the uh, angst. That is sure. the the bleeding heart of that movie. So it's it's I, I understand what you're saying. It's pretty silly, but also it can print, hit pretty close to home sometimes. I mean, it's it's a it's that's also a really biting satire. Which yeah, is I do the I Mike do like Judge that. specialty. Yeah, I do like what it's trying to say. I guess when I meant mindless, I mean you can kind of turn your brain off and enjoy, watch it. Yeah, for you know, sure. You can watch it both it. ways, right? You can just be like, yeah. this is really freaking funny. Or you can be like, wow, this hits a little too close to home. <laughs> sure. And the Michael Bolton stuff throughout the movie is just, oh, dude, it's unstoppable. It's so good. So uh, Office Space, my number three. And uh, like I said, I got to watch it whenever I'm flipping through the channels and I see it. I, even if it's just for a couple scenes. But I love that movie so so much. Also love the tagline, work sucks. So what are you going to do? Oh, yeah. Uh, we're up to our runner-ups, man. What do you got at number two over there, buddy? Okay, I'm thinking this is going to be another one you might not have seen. Ooh. And it's uh, another nice one because Ryan, my partner in crime, uh, on his three-plus-hour movies, he had Lawrence of Arabia, a great mm-hmm. pick. Absolutely would have been on my list as well. And then you got the same director, David Lean, the great David Lean, also directed this movie that was released in 1945. Mm. It is called Brief Encounter, and it might be the most romantic film I have ever seen in my entire life. It is wow, what's like, the premise? It's 86 minutes, and it's just about this kind of disgruntled housewife who meets a doctor and they start this um, at first it's a friendship but turns into a, a bit of a love affair and they are just wrestling the whole time with you know what what is this going to mean for us in our relationships but also we care for each other so very much you know the circumstances now that we've you know in her case she's been with someone 
for so long, but if she had been with him the whole time, would her life look entirely differently? And the, the, the tragedy and the beauty that comes with this relationship where they're having to be secretive, but also in certain moments kind of forget that they have to be secretive. And it's just a, an incredibly lovely film about adultery. Is that a thing? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but it inspired, it actually inspired the apartment which is another great film right. because yeah. there's a scene in Brief Encounter where they go to some dude's apartment and he's kind of just like, yeah, you guys can hook up in my bedroom. And Billy Wilder was like, that's super weird. I'm going to make a whole movie about what it's like to be that weird guy who lets people hook up in his apartment. Oh, wow. Um, okay. But it's, I mean, it, it truly is a swooning, lovely, I mean, you, you, you tote the, the idea of, her being a, the, these adulterers just completely washes away when you see how sincere their love is in this film. I mean, it is, it is really, like I said, one of the most romantic films of all time. One of the great love stories ever put on film. Does it end in tragedy? Does it, does it end in joy? Does it end in a combination of both? You got to watch to find out. Brief <laughs> encounter, are, man. Are you going to tell me or I got to find out? Brief you got to find out. It's great. 86 minutes. Come on. Dude, wow. You are really bringing the pain over I mean, you got it like it. Ryan says, you know, you got to watch this three hour and 15 minute movie. You're kind of like, I, know. I don't no. know that I can do that. 86 minutes. Come on. Yeah, I'm going with your list for Brief sure. Brief Encounter. Yeah. Sorry, Ryan. Masterpiece. All right, man. Brief Encounter. You're number two. Another oldie but goodie that I need to check out, man. So my number two, you started your list with animation. So I'm going to do that here at my runner-up spot. This is a movie that I watch every year, two, two, three times a year. Uh, this past year, I actually watched it probably about 50 times because it was my three-year-old's favorite movie this year. And you know how, well, you will know how that goes when your kid gets locked onto something. They just watch it so over and over again. So you've seen it 6,000 times. Months straight. Yeah, exactly. From 93, it's The Nightmare Before Christmas, mm, which is also... One somewhat appropriate for the season that we are in here. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and Henry, also Henry's, the director just came out with a new movie. That's right. Yeah. Wendell and wild, which yeah. I also really enjoyed. I liked it a lot. I did too. But yeah, you know, stop motion animation before it was kind of like everywhere, you know, here in 93 and the characters coming from the, the story coming from the mind of Tim Burton, which, you know, we've already touched on a little bit on this episode inadvertently, but uh, the guy does have a wild imagination, and this is a really, really cool story about where holidays come from. And for a child's mind, it translates from a child, like I said, my three-year-old's into it right now, and then I'm going to be 47 this year, so I'm into it. And it's just like, it just, it's one of those things that's uh, kind that's of... That's got to be the best, when you two know, tastes yeah. collide mm -hmm. all those years apart. Oh, that's got to be wonderful. But you know, as a kid, like... You know, I don't really know what age it starts at, but I mean, for a solid like decade of your childhood, you are kind of like always wondering about, you know, what's going on with these holidays? Where do these kind of, you know, old wives tales or whatever yeah, you want to call them, where do they the come holidays, from? Yeah. Sure. You know, it's just kind of curious and um, to see it play out in such an inventive way with such memorable songs and characters and just, you know, Tremendous soundtrack. I mean, you know, I just, I love this movie so much. It's one of my favorites. And I had to put it on here at, at a, at a breezy 76 minutes. Oh, we the love to see the it. The Nightmare Before Christmas. We love yeah. to see it. 
I, there you go. I, I got to ask you something as a as a seasoned parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I need to be? I mean, and I'm also like obsessed with how I'm going to curate my my son's media and all that stuff. Yeah, Not only sure. like avoiding Coco Melon, but also like when am I going to introduce him to my favorite movies and all all that stuff. But don't try to avoid Coco Melon. Just go with it, man. I'm not doing Coco Melon. <laughs> I've seen I've seen a small child watch Coco Melon, and it was like they were hooked up to an IV of crack cocaine. It and was I, intense. It's I just intense, can't dude. do it. Yeah. It is very intense. But do I need to be worried about showing my kid like? Raiders of the Lost Ark because I was thinking about Raiders of the Lost Ark is as old now as Casablanca just about was when I was born. And if you asked 7-year-old me to watch Casablanca, I'd be like what is this nonsense? Yeah, no. Yeah. Um but Raiders no. feels different, I hope. Yeah, I think you'd be I think you're fine. I mean, my son, you know, he's nine now, but, you know, he loves movies like Back to the Future and, you know, he's even seen Jaws recently, you know, and he, I mean, he, you know, he's, as long as the action's there and, because kids these days too, I mean, you were joking about Cocomelon, but the, you know, the attention span's not like it was for us. Oh my God, it's so unrelenting in its stimulus. It's, it's crazy. But I guess, I don't know. Do you have to introduce them to Raiders before you show them the Marvel movies? Will they find Raiders boring if they watch Avengers? Probably, right? Yes, yes, yes. I would say you probably want to do it chronologically, or you might be in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you should start with... If um, my kid loves all the Marvel movies and thinks Raiders is boring, I might... I know Harry Potter and just leave him at somebody's doorstep. Yeah. Be careful with that. You know, you don't want to have to disown any children over the whole thing. I would hate it. I would hate it. I love him very much, but if he (laughs) hates Raiders, that's going to be a problem for me. Yeah. That could, that could be an issue. Yeah. uh, I mean, you know, start with like the Disney classics, you know, like, you know, some like Lion King, you know, like that kind of stuff. Not the super. Also, I want my kid to appreciate hand-drawn animation. You know, sure. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. All the CGI now, especially the the like cheapo TV CGI. Yeah, man, that stuff literally hurts my eyes. It well, gives also me a when, headache. Uh, also, when you look at like the first Toy Story, I mean, it doesn't really look good if you look at no, it now no. in terms of what digital animation has become. So make sure but you it's great. Start is I mean, it's awesome. I mean, I love it. It's one of my favorites. But you know, if you look at it against like Toy Story Four, you're like, wow, they really made some advancements here in twenty oh, years. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do them chronologically. Like you know, I was mentioning to you, my son seen a couple things here and there. Like uh, he did see Jaws, and he saw like Creature from the Black Lagoon and stuff like that, which is in my honorable mentions, by the way, <laughs> tonight. But then he saw the other the other day. He wanted to watch Cujo. You know the Stephen King adaptation. Yeah, and he and uh, I remember you're doing I, it right. I remember being frightened as hell when I saw that at his age, and we're watching it the other night. And he's like, "Nah, that's yeah, sure, it's fine." Like he wasn't even like phased by it. And I can remember like me at eight years old, nine years old, seeing it, having like nightmares for like weeks. You know, so it's just a different time, man. Yeah, some yeah that that is true about some. I don't know, like I was. I watched The Shining recently, which is a movie I obviously love. I don't find The Shining that scary. Is that weird? Um, no, I think I think it would be it's scary to certain people. You know, if they if it speaks to them directly. You know what I mean? Like being shut in or whatever. But yeah, I think it's more about the imagery for The Shining. 
Yeah. I mean, I find it thrilling. I find it wonderfully twisted or whatever, but I don't like mm-hmm. get scared it by it. It doesn't like scare you, right? It's kind of a horror, horror's just changed so much. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Media curation for my, my child is basically always on my mind. So any, uh, any, any tips anybody has just to uh, absolutely reach out. Well, I'm the uh, last person to ask, but, uh, you seem I'm like you're doing a good job. I appreciate you asking but me, like but, if, uh, <laughs> if somebody watches rise of Skywalker, do they think the original star Wars is boring? No, it is an argument. And I think I think the answer, the simple answer is yes, probably because yeah, of know. because of the youth today and just YouTube the and the media, and TikTok. Media. Yeah, it's crazy. The youth. All right. Well, anyway. with, all, with all that being said, we're up to our number ones, man. So I had Nightmare Before Christmas at two. You had Brief Encounter over there at your two. What's your number one movie that's under ninety minutes, buddy? All right, uh, Gerald, you're a child of the '80s, correct? I was born in 75, but I'm definitely a child of the 80s, buddy. So how do you feel about talking heads? I love them. Have you ever seen the film True Stories? No, I haven't. This is the only film that David Byrne, the lead singer of mm-hmm. Talking Heads, ever directed. So I'm thinking I'm, I, I'm looking at five for five on movies you haven't seen in my top five. That is correct. So True oh, Stories is I your number it. one. This is if you're a Talking Heads person, you have to see True Stories. This is in my top yeah. 20 films of all time. Oh, wow. OK. It's an incredible film. And it's kind of a road trip movie where David Byrne plays this kind of surreal narrator slash, you know, anchor for the story where he just kind of goes around and visits these eccentric American tapestries. And it's just this movie where it's David Byrne trying to seemingly understand parts of the world that he immediately cannot relate to. And it's incredibly funny. It has a killer early John Goodman performance. He's unbelievable in it. Mm-hmm. It's a very insightful film, I think. It's a movie that really, really makes me think and contemplate and consider how do I think about parts of the world that I'm not experienced with and how do I not look down on people that I might at first glance feel like I should look down on. It's mm-hmm. such a wholesome movie in that way and it really kind of combats the cynicism that i feel like can overtake me at certain points we're talking on uh election night as we're doing this and i am never more cynical than i am on any election night so uh (laughs) talking about true stories is a nice antidote to that cynicism uh, Mm -hmm. on nights like this but it's it's a really wonderfully designed movie. It's a very quirky movie. It's got great music in it, uh, original Talking Heads tracks in it. The, I'll, I'll, there was a True Stories album that Talking Heads released, which has some really great music on it. So okay. for me, if you're a huge fan of the Talking Heads, if you're a huge fan of David Byrne, or if you're just a huge fan of movies in general, especially, I would say... You know, we've brought up Burton a few times here. It's got a little bit of a Burton aesthetic to it as far as the the, the quirkiness, the 
kind of outsider mentality a little bit of the movie, the ideas of, of really understanding people who might initially seem difficult to understand. It's just a, it's a great, great movie. Again, a top 20 of all time for me. David Byrne gives a great performance. He directs the hell out of it. I wish he would have, you know, directed it in another movies. Just like, wow. One of the most talented guys ever. He's the best. Uh, true stories. Check it out. All right, True Stories is a shot to the top of the list for me, man, because uh, I don't know. I didn't even – this was not on my radar, so Yeah, I, I feel like a lot of people out. don't know about it. I mean, it, David Burns, the man. Talking Heads rock. It, this absolutely. is an absolute must-watch. All right, cool. So that's your number one. Great pick, man. I'm looking forward to checking that out, and I, th- I think I'll be doing that soon. My number one is a – you know, you mentioned that one being in your top 20 of all time. This is in my top 10 of all time. Uh, I keep that list on Letterboxd. It's the only film in my top 10 that's under 90 minutes. And that's why it's sitting right here at number one on this list. And anytime I do a top five where this movie would apply, unless I'm just trying to be cute and pick something else, it's going to show up. It's probably been mentioned on this show at least 10 times over the last five or six years. But it's from 1986. It is the masterpiece, in my opinion, Stand By Me. That's my number one. one. Uh, Possibly, if for my money, Perhaps the best coming of age story of all time on film. Could be. Uh, that's my opinion, written by Stephen King based on a short story by him called The Body. You know, a young Kiefer Sutherland, a young John Cusack, mm-hmm. uh, the characters that, you know, these child actors, River Phoenix, who, you know, rest in peace, uh, just such a memorable performance as Chris Chambers, Corey Feldman, Chubby, Jerry, Jerry O'Connell. O'Connell. Yeah. yeah, dude, just so memorable. They do such a great job at acting and playing off of each other and the camaraderie. And, you know, you believe it. You believe that these guys are best friends and that they're, you know, going through this summer together. You know, testament to the writing, to the direction, but also to the acting of these young, you know, child actors for all intents and purposes. And, um, you know, it's it's thrilling at times, you know, with with the train dodge and, you know, having to deal with the bullies led by Kiefer Sutherland and uh, obviously a tender story of friendship in there and some great, really tear-jerking scenes in this movie. And, you know, this came out in 86. I was 11 going on 12 years old, which in the movie, they're 12 going on 13. So it was it, it was just a perfect symmetry in my life uh, where I was coming of age, and this is the coming of age movie for me. I've never done a coming of age movies top five, but oh, if man. I do, guys, spoiler alert: this has got to be number one for You're me. Going to bring it so. up again? Yeah, I know. What do you think of Stand by Me, man? Where are you at on it? It's a it's a great movie. I think I've actually only seen it one time, but mm, wow. I mean, it is such a succinct. Uh, I would say mostly straightforward movie, but it just hits so hard. And it is in the same way that I was talking about My Neighbor Totoro. It just brings you back to a certain point in your life, even though, you know, it's from a time period that I don't really recognize. It's gives me the impression of my own childhood, which is a, a really special thing for a movie to do. So, Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love it when Stephen King, you know, gets a little sentimental, a little tender. Um, yeah. And this is one of the one of the best examples of that for sure. So uh, no doubt about it. I mean, I, I, I love that on your list. It didn't even I, – I don't know why this didn't show up on my letterbox. I don't – maybe I haven't logged it. I don't know. But um, 
this absolutely might have been on my list if I had tracked it. But hey, no crossover. That's the dream. I know. No like cross. No so, crossover, man. No but, crossover. But Not pick. only that. No crossover with my viewings <laughs> for you. Hey, man. So that's great. I'm giving, you, I'm giving you homework. You can knock these out. You can knock out I love two it, of dude. these in the same amount of time it would take to watch Barry London. Oh, so oh, yeah, there you I know. Go. Yeah, there. Yeah. Wow. That's a good point. All right, so there you have it, guys. Uh, me and Jay just coming up with our top five movies that are under 90 minutes. I know Jay gave us some homework. I know, I'm not sure if I did because, well, maybe Eraserhead. And I don't know if everybody's seen that. You know, Shiva Baby's pretty new. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, well, check them out. I mean, there's some good movies mentioned here for sure. So, Jay, I tell you what, man, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap up our top fives for everyone, and then we'll give some honorable mentions. Okay, buddy, and see what you have over there on your other on the rest of your list, okay? Sit tight, guys. We'll be right back. Hello, listeners. Did you know that there's a lot more content where this episode came from? As you may know, we are an independent podcast and we rely on donations in order to keep going. Over on our Patreon site, you will find several ways to stretch your dollar. I am currently producing six exclusive series that you can only get there. They include popular ones such as My First Time and 100 G-Tunes. You'll also get regular main top five episodes, just like this one, super early, often weeks in advance. For as little as $1, you can help the show continue. Just visit us over at patreon.com slash two peas on a pod, or you can check the show notes for this very episode. Now let's get back to the countdown. Welcome back, guys. As I said, pre-break, Mr. Jay Ledbetter is here, one of my favorite peeps out there in the world of podcasting. He's getting back in the game, having kids and everything. I mean, come on, dude. You got to get podcasting back on the list over there, man. Mm -hmm. And here he is on two peas, and we just discussed our top five movies that are 90 minutes or less. Jay, remind everyone, what was your top five again? Just list them for him. My number five was My Neighbor Totoro. My number four was Charlie Chaplin's Modern Times. My number three was the World War I film Paths of Glory. Number two, maybe the greatest romance of all time, Brief Encounter. And my number one, the only movie, sadly, that the great David Byrne directed, True Stories. Wow, that is a great list that I can't wait to start checking those off. My number five was Shiva Baby from 2020. My number four was Eraserhead. My number three was Office Space. Number two, The Nightmare Before Christmas. And my number one was the classic Stand By Me. So there you go. Uh, Let's do some honorable mentions, Jay. What do you think, man? So I got five here because I like to round out my top ten. What do you have over there that didn't quite crack your top five, buddy? Man, I've got a list that is so long. You know what? I, you know what I also compiled here was a list of movies that are 91 minutes long. <laughs> okay, and I just got to shout out some of these. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Halloween is 91 minutes long. I uh, know. I saw that. Believe me. That would have been on my list easily. Pee-wee's Big Adventure, 91 minutes long. Maybe the greatest musical of all time, The Umbrellas of Cherbourg, 90 minute, 91 minutes long. And one of the greatest, here's a hot take, one of the greatest sports movies of all time, Babe. 91 mm. minutes long. And there are there are some others on there too. But as far as my honorable mentions that are actually under 90 minutes, I got a long list, but I'll I'll hit you I'll hit you with five here. So the first movie I ever saw in the movie theater, gotta shout it out, Disney, The Lion King. Yeah. Um, would absolutely be on my list. Sure. How about this one? I'm gonna cheat and do a, a double header as my next honorable honorable mention. Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. 
Um, mm-hmm. Both great films. My hot take is that Army of Darkness is actually my favorite Evil Dead movie. Oh, um, wow. That is a hot take. <laughs> how about the next one? In my opinion, the greatest spoof film of all time, Top Secret. I freaking love oh, yeah, that's good. that movie. Yeah, that's good. And then, you know what? As I'm looking at it, maybe this is actually the greatest spoof movie of all time. This is Spinal Tap. Incredible yeah. movie. Yeah, Absolutely both of those amazing are movie. And, ooh, I'll throw in a modern one, one that I love. This movie is just a nasty little piece of work. Don't breathe. I loved that movie. Uh, that I had good. just I didn't, a I didn't blast know that was under in the theater with that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah sequel was disappointing, but the yeah, don't breathe is great. Yes, yeah, hundred percent, absolutely. Uh, I didn't know that was under ninety though. Wow. Okay. All right. So my number six would have been Ace Venter, a pet detective. Oh <laughs> hell on. yeah! Come on, dude. Jim Carrey and his freaking prime, uh, coming off the in uh, living color days and just laser comedy. Out. Yeah, it's so good, man. So quotable. Number seven, I already kind of mentioned, was Creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, oh, Blair Witch nice. Project, number eight. I love Blair Witch. It, it, I thought yeah. it was real when I saw it. It affected me. Uh, I didn't find out till a couple weeks after I saw it in the theater with my sister that it wasn't real. It was a hoax. And, you know, they were just a marketing thing, which, by the way, was Can I tell genius. you something? Never seen it. Yeah. No, you should check it out. Well, I don't know. You know, it's actually an interesting study. I, I'm curious how it would play today knowing that of course none of it's real because yeah the marketing in the late 90s when it came out was just so genius because if you see something and you think you're watching footage mm-hmm. you know like news footage or whatever of something that really happened yeah that's it like mean, maybe the original found footage you. movie yeah yeah whereas yeah. like nobody had seen it before presented almost as a documentary and then it was like oh well of right. course not right right my number 9 would have been <laughs> It's silly, man, but I love this movie. I actually just watched it for the Halloween season again for probably the 50th time. But from 1992, Buffy the Vampire Slayer with Christy oh, Swanson. Oh, wow. Another one I haven't seen. <laughs> oh, really? Uh-huh. Uh, you got to check it out, man. Coming in at 86 minutes. And then uh, we were talking about horror. So another horror movie. I'm going to give a modern shout out to round up my top 10 because this is one that's only 57 minutes. It was a Shutter original called Host. minutes. Did you ever see oh, Host? Oh, is that the Zoom movie? Yeah, that's where they have the oh, Zoom. I haven't have seen like this. Oh, man, you got to check it out. It's so good, especially for the COVID era. 57 minutes. That's shorter than an episode of whatever that new Game of Thrones show is that I refuse yeah. to watch. Yeah, I know. That's why, That's one of the reasons why I loved it so much, 57 minutes. I'm like, this is great. Because, you know, you could wear out your welcome easily just watching somebody oh, yeah. on Zoom, you know, True. whatever. Be scared on Zoom, but... Yeah, I was a big fan of that one. I thought it was very inventive. And like I said, it was it was cool when it came out during COVID and everybody was kind of freaked out and stuff anyway. So there you go. That's our uh, top five and then some 90 minutes or less movies. Now, Jay, I like to end every episode by heading over to social media and see what the fans had to say. We're going to open up the old suggestion yeah. box over there and see what these guys are talking about. Guys, if you have not joined up yet, check the show notes. And join up to the Facebook fan page because that is where I try to interact with my fans the most. And I just said over there, I said, what are some of your favorite movies that are only 90 minutes or less? Paul from The Countdown says Evil Dead 2 and Toy Story. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I think we, we touched Good on picks. pretty much both of those. Josh Ragland, patron and friend of the show, says Toy Story, Orange County, What We Do in the Shadows, Palm Springs. That's a good one. That's a yeah. modern movie that I really, really liked. Office Space, Dead Man's Shoes, and Billy Madison. Here you go. I gotta say, I have no idea what Dead Man Dead Man's Shoes is. 
I don't either, actually. That's the only one mm-hmm. I didn't recognize. I might have to look that uh, up. If Jay Ledbetter doesn't know, we need to figure this out. <laughs> Let's see. Brad Hargis says, Nightmare Before Christmas, Evil Dead 2, and Monster Squad. Mm. Good ones there. Joshua Michaels got Zombieland. Another shout-out for Toy Story and Airplane from 1980. Ah, Airplane's airplane. a good one. Ah, so good, man. So good. Joey DiCarlo from So Wizard says, The End of Evangelion. Do you know what that is? I don't know that one. Uh, that is an anime show that I guess they made a movie of. Not not too terribly versed on the anime TV shows. and uh, But I believe it is pronounced Evangelion. Evangelion. Maybe? Thank you very much. You're probably right because I had never heard of that one. Uh, he's also got Rumble in the Bronx. Dissect that film says Toy Story. A lot of Toy Stories out there, huh? Yeah. Uh, also, Nightmare Before Christmas, The Evil Dead, Child's Play. That's a good shout out. The Lion King and Zombieland. There you go. Mm. A couple Zombieland mentions. The first one was so much fun, though. Woody Harrelson. Yes, it really, thing. really was. And Tony Dobbish, patron and friend of the show. Uh, he mentioned host. So there you go. It's his favorite example of a short run nice. time as hosts because it was under an hour. He's also got Run, Lola Run, Shiva Baby. And rounding out his top fives would have been Attack the Block and The Wicker Man from 73. Mm. I remember. Mm-hmm. Run, Lola, Run. That's one I watched in uh, my, my film class in college. The one film class I took. They made sure to show oh. us that movie, which I think is a common movie to show in film college film classes for some reason. I don't know. It's weird. But it's a good Interesting movie. Interesting choice. Interesting choice. Jared Taylor, patron and friend of the show, says The Iron Giant, Tucker and oh, Dale versus one. Evil. The Lion King, This is Spinal Tap, and Office Space. So there you go. Those are, that's some good choices. And then I'll end on top-tier patron Dan Roski. This dude's great. He's always giving us feedback every week. He says, Airplane, Office Space, and Stand By Me. So you know I had to end with that one. Thank you so much, Dan, and everybody else for the feedback. Mr. Jay Ledbetter, the guest of honor, thanks for being here, man. It was a blast to catch up with you. I haven't talked to you in too long, but you know, you've been having kids or whatever, so... Then having kids or whatever, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I gotta tell you, when I, I mean, you go, you you read those off, and still none of mine mentioned. I mean, I come on here, I just feel like I feel like a pretentious jerk. Well, you're, I mean, but no, come you're, on, you're, man, you're giving people, you know, you're broadening it, man. You're, I you're hope if them, I get anybody to watch one of these movies, uh, well, then I guess I've done out. my job. <laughs> I'm gonna definitely uh, check out True Stories, if nothing else, and my yeah. neighbor Totoro. That was already on my list. To yes, with, so. yeah, 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 but. Um, no, it's always great to be here. Just that I, I love Gerald, man. Gerald's just like a, just a great guy, an easy person to podcast with. It's just always, always a blast. Love being on Thanks, here. Thanks, man. Don't, uh, don't hesitate to reach out again and have me back on. Um, really glad you're back in the game and all that. So it's great to be here. Thanks so much, man. Always, uh, always a good time. Yeah, man. I love having you on as well. And I love everything you guys are doing over there at In Session and Extra Film. And I'm glad that you're going to be getting back in the in the ring too. You know, by the time this airs, you'll already be back in the yeah. game, presumably. Uh, JD just hit me up the other day and maybe wants to have me over there on In Session before the end of the year. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, nice. I'm just a big fan of the whole thing, man. So why don't you just tell everybody real quick, point them where you want to point them and tell them where they can find you guys. Yeah, so I'm finally, uh, like Gerald said, by by the time this episode releases, I'll be off of my podcast sabbatical over at In Session Film is the the podcast that you should search for on whatever your podcatcher is or whatever. 
I am the host of the extra film segment, which is, you know, we got the main show where they're covering your Black Panther 2s. They're covering, you know, a lot of your bigger releases. Extra film, we're covering two movies every week. One of them is going to be kind of a, basically like the runner-up movie in a given week, like the second biggest release. And then we also have made a concerted effort to kind of do rotating director series um, where we'll pick a director and um, just go through the most important films in their, their filmography. As we are releasing, at the time that we're releasing this, I will be back and we will be covering Frank Capra. Talk about some old school films. Director of, you know, It's a Wonderful Life. Mr. Smith mm-hmm. goes to Washington. All that all that good stuff. We'll be covering a few of his films just in time for Christmas. We'll be covering It's a Wonderful Life. So That's great. Make sure you check that out. Uh, follow at In Session Film on Twitter, all that stuff. If you want to find me personally, it's at Mr. J. Ledbetter on Twitter. But, um, yeah, that's about it. I, I, need to, I need to become more involved on the 2P's Facebook. Gotta do yeah. That. Yeah, get over there, man. I feel like you're I in need there. Some, I need I, some shouts. I'm, I'm definitely in there, but I, I don't do Facebook much. But yeah, I know. if I didn't have the show, I probably wouldn't be on there very often either. But look, man, it's, it's I appreciate you coming back and, and being on the show. And like I said, it was great to catch up with you. So thanks so much again for being here, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, dude. I mean, any and truly anytime. Absolutely, man. And guys, as always, thank you for tuning in. We will be back next week. We'll have another top five for you. Until then, everybody take care. Bye.